that's one thing. Don't tell people where you live. Always meet in public places and until you have a relationship with them. Don't invite strangers in your house. Uh, well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Essay Voice podcast. My name is Leighton. I'm one of the hosts on here. I'm joined as always by Elle. How are you doing today? Hi Leighton. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me. Uh, today's guest of honor, Sean Hopkins. He is a marketing graduate from St. Lawrence College, now currently residing in Ottawa, and uh, he's here to talk to us today about entrepreneurship. Welcome, Sean, to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Leighton. Thanks for having me here. Hey, Al, how's it going? Hey, good, Sean. How are you? Good. All That's right, let's good. jump into it. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so, I, thanks for coming on. We really are interested in talking to you about uh, the journey you took and your time at St. Lawrence College. Um, I was just wondering if maybe you could touch on some of the points of what were some of your highlights of the marketing program, why you chose to took it, and um, what, what you're doing with it now. Sure. Yeah. So, St. Lawrence College was a decision that I made while I was as a software engineer at University of Ottawa. And I was working on some projects there because I was, I'm from a very young age, I was, I've been pretty entrepreneurial, but I didn't know what that word meant back then. I was just kind of the guy that liked to experiment with small ideas um, in the hopes of one day solving either a problem or making lots of money. You know, everyone has a, a dream of achieving some of those things, right? right. And I was working with um, some people at the time that were really motivational that I thought were extremely talented and incredibly, you know, intelligent. And I decided one day, you know, I didn't really want to be the guy that sat behind a computer typing code, even though I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of money behind that. And a lot of people need that kind of work. Um, I found myself being more of a leadership role. So I switched over to SLC specifically because it was local. Um, I had family lived in Kingston and I knew that it was affordable and I've heard great things about the professors there. Those are kind of my main criteria. And the program had something that I was looking for. It was a specific marketing degree. It was accessible. And by the end of it, I realized that I would probably have not picked any other college to go to. Specific, specifically for the reason that um, everyone there is extremely helpful. I had not experienced that level of commitment and professor-student relationship in any other institution I've been to. Even high school when you're closer to your, your teachers, you're with them for, you know, 12 years sometimes um, if you're in high school or pre, preschool to high school. What I found is that at any moment, the professors at SLC were there to answer any question, provide any insight, um, and not just with school-related work. They were there ready to answer questions about industry questions, ready about, um, you know, some of the professors were ready to ask to answer questions about entrepreneurship, intrapreneurship, exploring opportunities, um, they helped me in, envision what my lifestyle would look like if I decided to take this route. Um, cause like a lot of you guys, I've had the choice to take the DBA. I've had the choice to go to Ireland and explore these other, uh, these other opportunities. And I was on the fence for a very long time. I made the commitment because I had the support from professors. Um, and a lot of other students. I work right now with other SLC students that have decided to make the jump. So uh, while I talk about myself, I can also talk about their journeys a little bit too, because I work with them. Um, I have two other students, ex-students that are working full-time with me up here in Ottawa. So it's, it's been an interesting journey, but I would say the classwork is good. Um, the professors were, were incredible. But um, at the end of the day, I, get, I, I would say that any institution you go to might have a similar outcome. It's based on your commitment and your ability to explore the opportunities that you can find at those locations, right? 
So if you take the first step in asking your professor, you might be surprised about your, what you can discover from them and what they, what kind of insight they can provide to you. Right. I think that would be the biggest takeaway. It was, yeah. I learned a lot, not just from learning the, the content. I learned a lot from the professors teaching the content. I realized there's a lot of knowledge beyond the books there. These are industry experts that are, are working in that place. And they have years of history working in really big firms. You know, we got Procter and Gamble. We have some biotech companies. We have investment firms. Like there's a lot of big people there. Um, and that, that was a big stepping stone. It's seeing the success and seeing where it led for them and them being able to confidently answer questions that I believe you can't find in a book. It has to be, it has to come from experience in order to make a leap of faith commitment, like going full entrepreneur at such a young age. And even now I would say, you know, the current business climate um, that's affecting everyone. Entrepreneurship is even more risky, but at the same time, it's also more secure depending on where you are, what you do. Some big businesses have to scale back based on cutting costs because of the current business climate, um, which leaves a lot of people on sitting around and they need, they need to find a solution on what to do. So entrepreneurship might be the right route for some people too. I'm sure we'll dive into that with some yeah. more questions, right? Yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. But I can definitely echo the whole like college experience. Like, I mean, I definitely fell in love with St. Lawrence College. I wasn't expecting to stay in Kingston when I was looking, but it was kind of that first touch base with the professors. And I was like, okay, maybe I like it here. But I do think college in general, you get that more hands-on experience. Um, and with that, you like learn a lot of skills and develop different relationships and, and things that you didn't even really realize that you could do. Um, and with that, that'll kind of lead me into my next question. What are some of those skills that you think helped you the most in your daily business life? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I think the biggest key, uh, key skill that's helped me the most this is not pre-written, by the way. This is a totally off-the-cuff <laughs> joke. No, not a joke. Serious. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say the uh, first year, first semester accounting class has helped me a lot so far. Um, I did take the I did take the full three-year um, marketing and business development stuff. So I learned all the skills about you know how to write a business plan, how to uh, create financial projections, and how to plan everything for a business, which I use all the time with every client I work with. Now those are conversa those are conversations I have on an active basis. But for running your own business, knowing how to track and spend and do your taxes and all that kind of stuff, that is scary stuff. And it's impossible. It's almost, it's nearly impossible to learn on your own using Google because there's a million different sources and it'll all tell you something different. I, what I did is I actually physically opened up my accounting book. I looked at one of the pictures and I recreated it in a Google Excel sheet. And that's what I've been using to sort of get started. And you know, you take that documentation to a professional and accountant with a CPA and they can say, okay, now I see what you tried to do and then they can help you. And it's a lot easier. Um, small things, I would say the small, tiny skill sets that I've learned throughout SLC are what is it impacted me the most today because it's alleviated those pain points. It's made being able to do what I love to do a lot easier. So if you, you know, if you undervalue stuff like accounting, you undervalue stuff like people will skim over SEO in a marketing. I have had conversations with people like, I don't know what SEO means, so I don't care. <laughs> SEO is now the biggest thing in the world. Everyone is using Google search engine optimization and Google display network, Google display network stuff. And you know, the simulations that we run in, in, in school that I thought we you know, ah, whatever, I'll learn it again later. I did some of the certifications. Now I spend two hours on Google analytics, 
you know, running campaigns and managing ROI every single day. It's an active part of doing business is being able to track all that stuff. Uh, I see. I try to go as far back as I can. Like, I mean, I do love that you said accounting because normally yeah. people are like, why am I learning accounting? I'm never going to have to do anything like this. And it's like, but you are. <laughs> the Hate two to things, say it. <laughs> when, I was, when I was at SLC, I, the two things I, I said, oh, we got to do marketing. And I told everyone, ah, skip out on HR, skip out on accounting. It's boring. Just do marketing. It's fun. You can be creative. And yeah. the two things I use the most. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I guess the, I use marketing the most, obviously, because it's my full-time job. But the two things that, that I feel like I do the most because it takes up so much of my brain space, um, considering planning, thinking about like all this time, it might only be an hour or two a day, but it's how to manage people, how to manage my money. Mm-hmm. I have a team now. Um, and with someone with no, like, I don't have a, a background in managing people. Like if this was, I thrown into it, I needed help. I hired someone. How do you manage that type of, like that type of relationship with an employee? That's not something that is taught anywhere without experience, but luckily, you know, I did sit on an, on an elective HR class and a lot of that stuff did contribute to my decision-making today. Of course, I have a support system. I have professors I can call with questions about this stuff and mm-hmm. it's helped a lot. Right. Yeah. The biggest takeaways are the small things for sure. Absolutely. Um, thanks to you for the insight on that. So I kind of have a two part question coming out of that. Um, the institutionalized school system that we know it today in modern society, it's not essentially built up for the promotion of entrepreneurialism. Um, so I was just wondering if maybe in your opinion, what are some skills that, um, that weren't taught to you that you think should be promoted more in schools to help kind of promote the on, on entrepreneurial spirit? What kind of things, you kind of touched on it, people management, is there time management? What kind of things um, do you think should be taught that will help entrepreneurs? I think the hardest um, thing for colleges to do right now is to try to, to create a program that's specifically for both getting someone ready for a career and getting someone ready for running a business, right? There's only so much crossover you can do before someone is 100% ready for one or the other. Um, there's just too much content, first of all, I would say, um, but also you need to be someone who goes to college. They're not planning to start their own business. And if they are, they're very picky on what programs and courses and classes they want to do. And they'll usually try to find something or they won't even go to college at all. They'll, they'll commit to doing everything online because they'll figure out what they want through self teaching. Right? So when it comes to, I think I'm touching on it here a little bit, your question. So I'll come back to the original one, but um, I think when it comes to, you know, what can a college do to improve its programs in order to better prepare a student for the entrepreneurial um, life kind of uh, situation would be if that course was developed entirely from the ground up from someone who's in a startup phase, because a lot of these people, these businesses, these entrepreneurs will come in and they've already gone past that four to five to six year grind of building a business and then being successful, then teaching someone about it. What they forget is what to do when you hire your first employee because most of the time it's a second thought once you're you've got 50 employees working for you right yes yes you started a business but it's hard to remember those details so you need someone who's in the startup phase to come in and say how do you manage a project like 
that seems like such a basic thing in high in, in a college and high school, you open a notebook, you write down your to-do list or you create a Google sheet, you write down your to-do list and that's it. How do you manage a project with three other people, each of them on different departments working on the same project? You need to have active updates, right? And then you'd be able to have to report these updates to a client or report these updates to a, someone else in your team. These little things that, you know, you learn a little bit about project management and how to manage teams and how to work together as a team in, in college but you're missing that next step of taking it from let's just do a zoom call once a week to talk about a business plan we're working on together to we've got a six month project. We've got to develop to finish this project. We got to do a business plan. We got to do a marketing plan. We got to do a financial projection. We got to put together a website. We got to do branding. We got to do product development. Um, that's for like, that's from my business model, but for someone else, it's like, how do you, all those things I just said to you apply to a small independent person, right? Who says, you know, I want to launch a brand new Bluetooth water bottle company. You know what I mean? So, and, and I remember in my, in the, the course that we, we took together, it was business plan, marketing plan. You know, we did a little bit of like entrepreneur product development stuff for one of our courses to pitch to an investor and that's all great. But now it's like, that's all ideation, right? You know, you, Ellie, you mentioned that it's, it's very hands-on. What I've noticed is that college is not very hands-on yet for the entrepreneurial stuff. So my next suggestion would be, this is something I mentioned to one of the professors before too. I said, how great would it be if you had a course that by the end of your second semester, so if it's a three year, it's a second and third semester, by the end of your third semester, when you graduate, you graduate with a business. Like how that's an entrepreneurial course. You have <laughs> two years of putting a business together and you learn all the stuff you would for your career, but it's immediately applicable to your business. So you say in the first semester, we learn how to form business, either sole proprietorship, partnership, corporation. You learn how to do that in your course. I think that would be immensely, because that's something you don't learn. That's something I had to, to Google and figure out, talk to lawyers and try to get handled. And I was doing that while I was in school. So it was added on top of the schoolwork, right? And then after that, where do you get funding? How do you ask people for funding? What banks do you go to for funding if you need to go there? If it's a big enough idea, how do you pitch it? You know what I mean? How do you pitch an idea? Um, I, I did self-taught. I went and I found a company called Y Combinator. I learned about how to build pitch decks and how to approach investors and pitch ideas. I went to Invest Ottawa and I went to talk to some of these guys and what language do they use? The language you use in college versus the language they use in an investment like competition, completely different. I have no idea half of the abbreviations they're spitting out and everyone's like on top of it. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. It's all code, but <laughs> So while I, you know, the college course we took got me, this is something I said to, to a lot of people. I said, it got us to about 60% of the way there. It got mm -hmm. us comfortable enough to know it taught us how to learn. I think that's the big, everyone says that. I think it's very, um, I think it's very cheesy, but it taught us how to learn. So it, it gives you everything you need to know the basics, but now taking that first step into taking action. That's where, you know, the, the true hands-on is physically sitting down, doing the work, forming your corporation, signing documents, finding your funding, drawing out pictures for your product idea, approaching someone who can put it together, purchasing a 3D printer for prototypes. You know, those, those, those small little things that mount up to actually building your business. Like, where does a product come from? People, like, uh, there's easy ways of doing it. Like, in college, it could be a drop, setting up a drop shipping site. It's borderline free. You could probably get it done in a couple hundred dollars, but it's the learning experience to launching that's important. 
And then once you get a drop shipping site, one of the course curriculum requirements be get your, make your first sale. How do you do that? And it can't be friends or family. Yeah. I mean, now you have to learn marketing. Now you have to learn where to promote. Now you have to learn how to make your own promotions. You know, we did stuff like learn how to use Canva and make infographics, but how to use Canva to make a promotion that you can then put on Google or Facebook and promote, you know, spend 20 bucks and run a promotion. So right now we're asked to buy thousands of dollars worth of books, which I'm not against all the time. Um, some of the time, but if you took one of those books out of that and you had $300 in your pocket now, instead of spending it on a course of, for a book that you might never re read, you commit that to your marketing budget. This is how much money you need to allocate to a school project. That's going to either turn into a business when you graduate, or it was a learning experience. It's one or the other. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I want to echo that. It's almost as if coming out of this program, out of the school, we've been enlightened with the fact that we don't know that much. And this is just the tip of the iceberg and nothing really speaks to learning like experience. You have to get out there, you have to work it and you have to do it. Um, but I think before we go any further, Sean, just for our, our listeners and our viewers, um, I think we need to get into what, what you're doing right now and what the businesses you're sure. building just to give our viewers a bit of a background because um, they know kind of who you are, but um, tell us about your journey for the last year and a half, two years since you left the SLC. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, in third semester, third year, Kathleen Wright, one of the amazing professors at SLC Business School in the marketing program, uh, with her, we have a course where we get to pick one thing we can learn, right? We get to define what our learning outcome for that course was. Uh, it was a mandatory course. And I picked, in my opinion now, one of the hardest things I could have done. And I decided I wanted to put a website together in four months. That was our three months. It was only three months because we had co-op, right? I said, I want to put a website, a website, a custom website live from scratch in three months. Um, and that was me committing to learn HTML in three months, which was a terrible idea. It was throwing me way right back to my days of university. Um, my nightmare. I could know. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like I could, uh, but I would probably cry a little. Yeah. So uh, during that time, I was exploring stuff like Wix, Squarespace, um, all these other like web builders and stuff like that. Shopify was a big one. I was dabbling on that for a while. And then I discovered one other visual builder, which is now a Humanitronics partner. Um, company is called Humanitronics, by the way. Uh, it's called Webflow. And so Webflow is a visual builder for web, for web de developers and web designers. And it requires minimal, almost no HTML knowledge most of the time to build your site so it's super powerful um and it's being it's being used all over the world now it's uh, by a lot of really big firms you know nasa is using it now for some of their projects for even the mars promotional website was built with webflow or something like that i think so it's really interesting and uh two months into my course i decided to switch to webflow one month left um i launched a, pro a prototype company called the hop at the time because my last name's hopkins and it was a really cool brand. And I was exploring all the first, you know, uh, that's where I was learning how to do the corporation stuff. And then uh, I did put together my first site. It took me probably three weeks, uh, probably 16 hours a day for a couple of day, a couple of weekends straight. <laughs> and I presented it to, the, to a couple of professors to get some feedback. And everyone said, wow, that's pretty cool. What are you going to do with it? And at the time I was like, I'm going to launch a creative agency and I'm going to launch like a web development agency. And I'd barely put together my first site. And this was like over a year ago now. Um, 
And uh, yeah, that at that moment, I was like, I have something here, but I don't know what it is yet. I have people that I want to work with. I have kind of the tool set and the skill set. You know, I have a background in video production, graphic design. Um, I've done a lot of digital marketing. I had an awesome co-op experience that taught me a lot of this stuff. So, uh, so That's my um, sister. Yeah, oh. that. <laughs> Hi, podcast friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I was um, at that point. I, I had I had I'm not really sure what I wanted to do yet, but I knew I wanted to do a creative agency. I knew that was a thing. I've looked at so many. I'm I'm inspired by some of these super creative companies that are doing crazy awesome advertising for the biggest brands around the world. That was my thing. You know, I wanted to be video production, something, something in that world, something super creative. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, and then I graduated. I left for Ottawa and then I came back and I met with a professor at, at SLC and it was a professor that I've been working with for a couple of years on some other side projects with him, some products that, uh, some other development products I've been working with him and it was uh, Gordon Stencil. And he was one of the career excellent professors there, right? And we sat down and I said, Gord, I have an idea. Do you want to work with me on this idea? And he said, yes. And so that was my first business partner. Gord Stencil was one of the founding members of now a company we call Humanitronics. And the idea of Humanitronics is we wanted to focus purely on our business model is essentially we'll help market and build your business, but we will let go of all of the old trends. We won't worry about newspaper. We won't worry about old technology. We're going to focus on the most lean, most digital focus, most future focused like marketing tactics. We'll only do stuff that is trending, only do stuff that's really out there. Um, we were inspired by, you know, companies at the time up top of my head. I would say like now this Vice, BuzzFeed for a little while was kind of cool. And then I don't know what happened. And then, uh, you know, so, you know what I mean? They're doing really cool stuff. And then we found some companies like Pineapple FM, uh, Netflix got into podcasting. And then I said, we're going to do the trendiest stuff. Before we launch, we're going to start a podcast. That was our first idea as well, right? And then that's where our podcast, Future Lens, was born. Um, and that was an, that's, a, that's an active project today. It's still going live. We're evolving it now. It's growing. And then from there, two more podcasts were born. So now we have, a, we have other companies that are paying us for producing their shows. And then uh, I stumbled into the Ottawa realm of working with clients, which led to one thing or another. And now I work in the food industry and I work in the, the medical industry. I work in the entertainment and hospitality industry, just with the people I work with. So we got, I would say entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial journey this is another little tip here. It, when people draw that picture where it says A to B and it's a, it's a squiggle, it literally is. Like you're going to bounce around like a ping pong ball for years before something sticks. And when it finally sticks, that trail of either success or failures that you left behind are going to stick with you. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really easy to get bogged down. Like I've dealt with clients, and this is the hardest part. I've dealt with clients now that are amazing, that are fantastic and love, every, love everything about you because you're the expert in the room, right? They walk in like, oh my God, I need help. You're like, I got everything you need. And like, I love you. Here's my money. And they'll just dump it on you. You go and do great stuff. And they become successful and it works out. There's a couple of success stories. Some of the clients you work with though are scary, borderline terrifying, borderline will find you in your sleep and you you think they will. You know what I mean? Is it that bad? Oh my God. Why too? Like, do they just think that they know better or something? Yes. 
Yeah. yeah. I guess some well, people I, just can't let go of that, like, power. Like, yeah. This is my business. I'm, like, I have the majority say that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I worked as a freelancer for a very long time, and the worst client example, I'll just throw one out there. There's, there's a bunch, but the worst one was I was working on a video project for this guy. He was an Instagram influencer in Ottawa, or said he was. And he wanted to get a new branding done for a new logo. He wanted me to help out with like a promo video for his Instagram followers. He had a good following, like at least like 90 or a hundred thousand at the time. So he, wow. he had quite a bit. Um, and he wanted to do like a workout video and I designed him like a, a trailer um, and a, a logo. And he told me he'd pay me something around the, the likes of like 500 bucks, 600 bucks. It was a freelance job while I was at school. So I was like, okay, you know what I'll do it last year. Um, and then I moved to Ottawa, I was still working on the project. And then uh, I made the mistake of telling him where I live so we can have a meeting, which you don't do. I, you know, you trust people. I don't do that anymore, but I trust, that's one thing. Don't tell people where you live. Always meet in public places and until you have a relationship with them. Don't invite strangers in your house. So I was living in an apartment back then and uh, he came over. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so he liked the work. He said it was great. He left. And then he called me and he said that he showed the work to an editor friend of his and his editor friend said he didn't like it and said he'd redo it for him for a hundred dollars. So he, <laughs> he asked me to give him back all of the money after doing a couple days worth of work. And I'm like, that's not how it works. You didn't pay for the product, you pay for the time, right? So as, as a freelancer, um, and he, he knew where I lived here and then came a, a spur of like threatening emails and threatening texts. He says, I know where you live. I'll come in, like do all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. And he had, yeah, the police did get involved and ended up not moving because of that. But it was still, it's a scary moment when you have this guy, he's a bodybuilder. He knows where you live and he's like, oh my God. So yeah, there's been journeys like that, but most of the, like all the clients I work with now are a little bit more vetted. I would say I don't work with influencers anymore. I work with actual business people who have history and have a future. So, yeah. yeah. Shout out. Yeah, to I think Elf I Pat. actually. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I told you, Layton, John, before you hopped on, I was saying I was having some difficulties because the I changed my room up a bit, so now the lighting was all weird, and then everyone was in the living room, and now my cat's in here. <laughs> I love it. It's Join good. the show. Family show. Whole thing. What's yeah, your cat's but name? I, that's Zebra. Zebra, sorry. It's my parents' cats. He's actually 13 when he oh, was wow. born in California. Okay. So. Yeah, there you go. Oh, so he's a traveling cat. Look at that. <laughs> Cultured. Cultured kitty. <laughs> you've seen some things, you know? <laughs> well, no, it sounds okay. like you've had, like, a lot of good success. And I think anyone with businesses, especially when you're starting up, is, like, you have to almost value the failures or the, in your case, terrifying moments as much as the successes, because that's ultimately where you're going to learn the most and what you're going to take out of it the most, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, one more, like, this is one misconception about business. This is one of the things too, that I, when I got involved in the world of entrepreneurship, I thought would be really easy to, to get over the, the hump of um, money. Money's a big thing right? Especially right now to serve has been a lifesaver for some of the people that I work with. So I, I can, right now, money is not easily accessible right now. Like even with my company, we're, we're lucky to have retainer clients that are really almost like borderline. They match our expenses at this point. So we're very lucky on that point, on that, on that, in that aspect. But um, a large misconception is people think that they can just start a business and then within a couple of months or a year, they don't look beyond that. They don't look, they don't think, oh, two years or three years. 
they say like, oh, in three years, I'll have a big success, but it might take you three years to actually make money. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing is like when you join the world of entrepreneurship as a small business, when you don't have lots of funding, you have to be ready to go lean to the point where, you know, that dream of buying your house in five years. No, you're pushing it to seven or eight. You remember you want to buy a car when you graduate, you know, most people can graduate, work for two years, get a car, put a down payment on a house. They have security as an entrepreneur. You lose that. Um, as a business owner, I will not be approved for any loans, any house payments, nothing until there's three years history on my business. That's mm -hmm. a legal requirement for banks. So it's like I'm opting in to losing out on all the benefits of having a, a career for a little while in the hopes of maybe finding success three to four years from now. Mm -hmm. And that that's a big risk. No one ever tells you, they say, Oh yeah, it's risky, but they don't tell you how immediately risky it is. Hey, you want to go down payment half and half with your girlfriend, even though you have an income, you do not count anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. You want to buy a car, you want to buy a house. You don't matter because you own your own business and it's, it's new. It's only a year old. And that's a hard thing to get over. Cause even though, you know, like I can pay, like I can do down payment cash. I can do all this stuff. Like that you need, I can just like even buying a used car, if you want to get a finance or anything like that. Nope. Can't not allowed. You have to depend on other people now, or uh, the company has to buy assets on in your name, which is okay, but it's not you anymore. Your credit isn't being, my credit is not being built anymore. Like my credit is my credit card and that's it. I don't have all these extra benefits and stuff like that. Oh, and another thing benefits, those things are expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the the benefits of having benefits um in a in a in a nice you know workplace that's gone. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that you don't learn in college is how to who to talk to, what's a good package. How do I know how much I should be paying into dental for my team? Like I don't I don't know that stuff. Yeah. Um and that's all the stuff you got to learn on the go. Um maybe you find someone who has experience and you can hire them but until you get to that point, you can't afford to hire staff for years. Like the, when you hire one person, it's because you have too much work and you're lucky if you get to that point as fast as I imagine I did. Like I got lucky and I stumbled into some success. I have some great friends. I mean, Leighton was a good kickoff. He, he led to one of our, our first early um, clients about British Columbia. Oh so, yeah. The resort, right? Yeah. The resort. So that was an early, that was, that was like a test. Like, Raven's Nest was an example of whether or not this would work out. And it, it did. Um, and they're, they're dealing with their own stuff right now, but the branding, the website's all live. They're getting clients. So I think the work we did is awesome with them. And that was a proof of concept. That was like, we stumbled our way through the first couple of clients and we try to find the good ones that we do better jobs on, a better yeah. job on now, right? And now we've got some of those really good clients. A year, a year out though. Like we're not talking about first week here. This is a, 12 months of lean, <laughs> hard struggle. And you know, I had money saved up. And the scary part is seeing your bank account go from, you know, I think we're up in the, you know, a good, imagine a good salary worth of money saved up. I saved for a couple of years down all the way to, we maybe had a month of burn rate before uh, this, the Christmas season happened. Then we got our first good client. It's almost like SpaceX. You know how SpaceX almost died and then they got their big investment from NASA? Same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I will say just to boost you a little bit, like, because I think I referred a client to you as well. 
and did. I, actually Biko, yeah that's the guy yeah. i'm working with right now yeah yeah so he I, it was actually like i think a couple weeks ago so it was funny when leighton was like oh we're gonna talk to sean because it was literally a couple weeks ago where he was just saying how amazing it is because he like he just reached out to me because he was in the program to see if i knew anything and i was like well here let me refer you yep. to somebody who's better like equipped to help you and he a couple weeks ago was like they're amazing like i love working with them so great like how like such high yeah. quality yeah um so what, like, because you're talking a lot about the risk and everything like that, yeah. which is scary, but it is a true thing and people need to know. What, like, was that initial, like, made you want to do this 100%? And then, like, what rewards do you see from it? Okay. So the conversation, okay. So the first decision that made me decide to do this, um, how far back do I'm going to go? Like, 12 years old lemonade stand or? <laughs> no, well, like, just... Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> was there something that just like sparked you with your business now in particular? Let's just right. Stick. Okay. So with this, the active business that I'm doing now, so Humanitronics, um, what made me decide to stick with it was essentially, uh, I got incredibly inspired by all the other success stories. So that was the first thing I got blinded by success stories and I saw the light at the end of the road and I was like, I'm going to try. That was my first commitment. I said, I'm going to try. Because if this works out, the ROI is insane. That was my, potentially, that was, I gotta, I gotta um, uh, make sure I'm not overhyping myself on the potential. But yeah, so the potential is, is incredible. And I said, I, at least I'm young. Everyone always says this. Everyone always says, you're young, try. That's everyone, no matter who you talk to, every parent, every professor, every friend always says, you know what, just give it a try. Because mm -hmm. you're going to risk it. I don't have to. And if you mess up it's fine but if you find success at least i motivated you to try and that's how they feel and I, I fell into that i was like okay everyone's saying try so i said okay i'll give it a try and then you get your first client and i've been working with freelance for a while so i've had i have i felt the whole i've helped someone and they were happy and they paid me and then i felt happy and then moved on to the next client so i've had that cycle a couple of times for about five or six years five or six years before humanitronics so when humanitronics started i wanted to get a client that treated me not as a freelancer, but as an agency. You know what I mean? When they talk to you, they're not talking to Sean, the freelancer, the video producer, the photographer, or the graphic designer. They said, We're, we want to hire Sean and team as the agency owner or the creative studio. We want not just product photography. We want a full branding package. And that was my dream. I want to like, I love the startup cycle. I love being in this mode right now because when I talk to people, when they approach me, they're saying, I have an idea. They say, I have a dream and I need you to help me make it a reality. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, I bring you in and we have a conversation. We talk about potential. And I love the journey of discussing a concept and seeing where it can go and then seeing what I can do to help them there to get there. Right. And time, you know, then we get into the whole product stuff and we, we time it out and let's say, <clears throat> And the journey itself, I actually, okay, I'm going to say I love every aspect of it <laughs> pretty much. I'm going, I'm saying like every part of it I love. I love meeting people that have a dream and saying, I need you to help me. That's the first step. They trust me now with their business idea, their dream, because it's the hardest part is someone having a great idea and then telling someone else because you're risking losing it, right? Mm -hmm. They think you, you the, a lot of people, I thought I, I would lose it if I told anybody my business ideas, right? So they say, I love, I, I need your help. I said, okay, great. Let's work together this is how much it's going to cost. And when people don't, people aren't, 
people say, oh, but I can get someone for cheaper. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, great. But when you're an agency and you're a studio and you can provide to them 15 different services and you say, this is how much it's going to cost. And they go, that seems reasonable. They say that sentence instead of, oh, I can get it cheaper. It's like, oh, okay, I'm getting a lot of this. That seems pretty reasonable. Immediately in my head, I'm going, this is what success feels like. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I haven't done any of the work, that was the first, like, this is what it feels like. You know, someone trusts, someone trusts your product, right? Yeah. And then working on a project with someone like Constantine, um, of the Bico Institute project that we're working on right now. The great, the great thing about having an awesome client like that is that they work with you as, a, as if you're part of a team now and they treat you that way. They believe in everything you want to do. And that's an awesome feeling working with someone on something that's not just like a school project anymore. This is like livelihood, right? Yep. You're working on a project that's significantly bigger than yourself and themselves. And it's an awesome feeling. And then when you finally finish it, publish it, put up the website, launch marketing campaigns and revenue starts coming in. The work you put in is now, this, this is the cool feeling I have. I can walk away knowing that they have probably financial success, maybe for the rest of their lives based on a blip in their timeline, four months of time that I get to work with that person. They're good for the rest of their lives, right? I love working with startups. It's, I know a lot of people um, prefer bigger clients and I eventually, I'll, I imagine eventually I'll be able to get there. But right now, all the clients that I have are very much people who have no idea what they're doing. And all the knowledge I got through St. Lawrence College, through my experience, through co-ops, like all the stuff I've learned over the past five years is immediately applicable in helping them like right away. Every question they have, like, what do I do with this? How do I manage my accounting? I got it. Here's an Excel sheet you can use for free. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, you know, I can help them get set up on QuickBooks. There's different things I can do now, but all of everything I've learned over the past five years is immediately applicable because other people haven't had this experience of learning about business. Some of them are chefs. They worked as a line cook for 20 years and they want to start a restaurant. Where do they go? They have no idea how to start a business and they come to me now and I can answer those questions. That's a great feeling. So Powerful, it's not about, yeah. yeah, it's not any one thing. It's the whole journey. It's the first conversation. It's the build, it's the launch and it's the success. Everything is, everything adds up to a really great feeling. It's kind of, I started entrepreneurship because I wanted to be in this position. You know, I, I didn't want to join a company and just be the marketing guy. I wanted to build a business where my role has no title. It's a flexible role where I can jump into a conversation as a marketer, conversation as a business developer, finance guy, even though I'm no expert in a lot of those things, altogether, I have enough answers that I can help at least point someone in the right direction. And that's a really great feeling most of the time when the clients are awesome, right? Yeah, for sure. I can hear the passion and see it on your face when you're talking about this. And you've kind of answered a bit of this, but what have you learned about yourself that you really appreciated the most in going through this journey? What have you kind of brought out in yourself that you realize that, Hey, this is who I am. And this is, this is how it's going to be. Right. So I would say all the way up until this year, last year, I'm still in a, you never really are a hundred. I don't think you're ever a hundred percent happy with yourself because you always see yourself as a, um, a, in a place where you know, you can grow. So I think there's a lot of, a lot more progress anyone can make on themselves. But the biggest thing that I know for a fact that I've grown into is the ability to lead. Um, I've never ever, that's why I've always been a freelancer. I've always been on my own. I never thought of myself as the leadership type. I've always been good at taking 
like taking requests, doing extra like curricular work for people, always doing a little bit extra, but I always, always following someone else's lead. I was never leading the charge. And even today, I still consult with a lot of people, but I be truly believe that's the right thing to do. Have a lot of people in your network you can communicate to for questions, but leading a team and even in college, like I know I did a little bit of it with you guys, but it was always very democratic because I was always open to someone else taking charge and I'll be okay with it. I would always step back and be like, you know what? You take over. I'll do my best. I'll do the best of my ability, but I know someone else can take over. It'll be fine. But now what I've learned is that it's not any like leadership is not, you don't have to want to be a leader to be great at it. That's what I've discovered. All you got to do is do the best for the people around you and make sure that you know where things are going in a specific, in, in a vague way. You, you know what the end point is, what the goal is and how you're trying to get there. What I learned is yeah, the biggest, yeah, that's the biggest takeaway it would be that I learned how to lead better. I knew how to communicate with people. I've learned how to become absolutely more compassionate and more trusting and more helpful. Like I've opened myself up to having conversations with some people in the world of business. So when people want to launch a business or when people are struggling, it's a lot, it comes from a lot from an emotional place and being able to guide them, lead them into the right direction and being able to do it in a way where you're not absolutely, you can't just tell them what to do. You have to have a conversation, build a relationship, learn about where they want to, what they want to do, where they, what they want to become, and then lead in that place. And even with my own employees, it's the same thing. Some of the people I deal with, once you work with someone, this is what I've realized, when you're in college, you, you only get to surface, you only scratch the surface with the people you learn, you, you, um, you work with, right? I don't really know tons of details about the personal lives of my friends, even though my, some of them are my best friends, right? When you work with someone, you learn way more about them. Well, yeah. you learn way more about them if you're open to it, to it, right? Some employers may never ask anything. They say, you know what? All I care about is work and then go home. You know what I mean? Go to sleep. I'll see you tomorrow. I don't care about, your, uh, about what you do after, after work. But I did read something in Harvard Business Review. If you don't know what that is, absolutely go check it out. But <laughs> Harvard B Business Review had this, uh, this article about, you know, teams are much stronger when it's not some guy ordering, there's graphics about this everywhere. You know, that guy is standing behind a group of people and saying, pull versus yeah. the leader being at the front pulling. You know what I mean? Those are very, like very simple um, graphics to explain a very complex and a very long growth process for people to lead from the front to help pull people forward. It's different than ordering people to do something. It's the difference between being inspired and motivated. Motivated is to be, is to fear the consequence to be inspired means you're motivated for the success. It's, it's a little bit different, right? You can't be scared about what the outcome of not completing something is. You have to be motivated to accomplish it because you're excited about the success. And to, to get people to that point, you can't just tell them what to do. You need to lead from a place of compassion and lead from a place of they trust you completely, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's hard to do. That's a, that's, a, that's a very difficult thing to learn, I would say. Um, and I don't think I've gotten there hundred percent, but that's the biggest takeaway is at least I've recognized that's a skill set I'm learning and I really, really like it. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Right. Yeah.
No, I mean, you're definitely right. You already said it. A true leader is not someone who, who's just like the boss of everybody. Yeah. It's somebody who's empathetic. They guide people. They're just that strong representative. Somebody that people trust they can go to. And it's nice to hear that you've grown well into that position. Yeah. I could always see that in you, but it's definitely like a learning, oh, thank you. learning process. Yeah. Glad to hear. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'll ask just one more question and then we'll probably wrap it up there. Uh, sounds good. So if you could go back to when you first started your business, what's one piece of advice you would give to yourself? Knowing what you know now, yeah. Knowing what I know now? Yeah. Uh, Don't work with that Leighton guy? Yeah, yeah. the guy. <laughs> Bad <laughs> news, <a> headache. <laughs> Help. <laughs> um, I'm thinking, go to conferences more, early, more, more earlier in the mm-hmm. year. Uh, in, this, in, the, in your time there attend conferences learn about the industry i think my personally my 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 process was pretty straightforward i had to learn in order to be able to make the decisions i did so i knew i knew that the, the if i if i had gone any faster i might not have completed college that's how i feel if i got as risky uh, as risk adverse as i did you know if i was more likely to take risks earlier, I probably would not have completed college because I was gambling even on second, third year, that, mm-hmm. that decision. Um, but what I would say is start with smaller projects earlier. Start with projects that cost a lot less money and take a lot less time a lot earlier, but commit to spending. That was one thing that I, w- I would never, that, that sounds really hard because I know a lot of people don't have a lot of money. And I'm not saying, you know, a small project can be like launch a Shopify site. Just do it. You know what I mean? Go on Shopify, create an account, do the whole process of starting up something very, very small and test it. If you like it, stick with it. If you don't, all you did is spend five bucks. You know what I mean? Small, very, very small increments, but make that commitment because if you make that commitment, then you're more likely to remember the decisions you made along the way. If it was a free, like, you know, if you take a free course on uh, Google Analytics, it's great, but unless you're using it actively, you start to forget things. But the things I remember the most are the ones that I had the biggest struggle committing to. So when I decided to learn something like Webflow, there's a payment wall. So I had to really tell myself, you know, college too. If, I mean, if it isn't paid for you, if you pay for college out of your pocket, it has a much deeper impact in what you learn and how much you take advantage of it than someone who gets a full track payment all the way through, like a scholarship, which is great. Um, some people are just deserve it, right? but others will take advantage of it and ignore the benefits and then move on. I feel like there definitely needs to be almost like a double opt-in for everything they need. Um, and for me, I would say, yeah, make a commitment to doing the small things and take those smaller risks earlier. So the big, you learn enough to be confident in the bigger ones. Cause I remember walking into this, this world of entrepreneurship after graduating. And then there's a couple of things that I wish I had tested earlier before committing what software to use for project management mm-hmm. when you have 15 of them in front of you and you have not pre- like explored any of them before that point, no idea. But once again, it's one of those things that I wouldn't have discovered. I needed to do that process until I got to that stage. So I feel like if you're entrepreneurial, you need to learn and need to test it out early. You need to try and risk something even like I would say, like how far did you want me to go back? My first real entrepreneurial like kickoff as a freelancer was with other people. I had a small business and I started when I was like 16. 
You know what I mean? I took those risks really, really early on. Um, but I got lucky. I met with people that are very motivational, very inspired like myself. I worked with other artists and creatives and we did client work. So my recommendation, my biggest takeaway, yeah, take risks, take them early. Make sure you learn, take the risks as learning experiences, not as, as, as attempts to success, yeah. right? Trust in that you have a lot of time. You will have a lot of failures before you succeed, right? I'm in the midst of an, of a, of a learning experience with what I'm doing right now. I am not a hundred percent dead set on this being a success or a failure. It's commit to the experience to learn so that the next time you try again, if you need to, you have all of that knowledge accompanying it, right? Don't do a leap of faith and throw yourself into thousands of dollars of debt on an attempt uh, right up the day one. No, don't commit to going on the line of credit and stuff like that for a test. Make sure, <laughs> make sure you're, you're, you're properly experienced and you can only know you're ready by testing it with small increments, right? So that would be my bit, that would be my tip from earlier. This is something I would not even say to myself at the start of SLC. This is something I would have said to myself like age 15. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you do not need to spend so much money or, or don't spend anything at all. You know what I mean? It was like one of those two things. You know, I, my choice was either buy the $6,000 uh, speakers for my computer or none at all. But why not just get the small desktop speakers to get started experience what music is like before you go <laughs> jump into the deep end you know right yeah i think that's really good advice because a lot of people do get caught up in that and there's even some people who get caught up well i don't have five thousand dollars to spend on the speaker so i'm just like not gonna try or not gonna mm -hmm. do it at all right and that's where people get lost i think that's very wise words and very good takeaway thank yeah. you yeah absolutely um sean thanks so much for your time today man i really appreciate your outlook on the world um, I have nothing but admiration for you. Seeing you grow from uh, a shy first-year student who, uh, who who was sitting at the back of the class with Gord there, and now to kind of see your journey and, and grow our friendship and our business relationship, it's it's been powerful. And uh, I wish you nothing but success, and I know you'll make it for sure. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. It was good talking Thanks to you guys, again. too. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, Anytime. Feel free to come back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will. Maybe in a couple, uh, couple of months when there's some more stuff to talk about, maybe a different topic I can chime on, on chime in on. I'd be, I'd be happy to join. Absolutely. Awesome. We'd love to have you. So uh, thanks again. We'll throw a link to Humanatronics and Future Lens in the YouTube video and on our social media. Um, but other than that, thanks again, Sean, for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll chat to you next time. Okay. Thank you. See you guys.